Lori here, and welcome to the Awakening Moments podcast. Grab a cup of tea and let's spend some time together. My co-host Rhonda and I are ordained ministers working together at Life Center Church. We are leaders, wives, moms, and longtime friends. In this podcast, we hope to share some meaningful moments from our lives, everything from lessons we've learned the hard way or how to rise up in the midst of obstacles and insecurities. We will encourage you to take risks and remind you that you are deeply loved and completely worthy. Let's awaken life's most amazing moments together. Well, this is exciting, Lori. We're going to talk about today, motherhood. Wow. I know. This is a loaded topic, and I feel like this is going to even bring us into a greater place of vulnerability, but talking about motherhood and how we're unpacking that in our lives now, how we have unpacked it, and how we're currently unpacking it. I love that. Why don't you start by just sharing, like, where you're at with with parenting? Like, who, you know, who's in your family? Where? It's true. What's the parenting journey look it's like true, for you? It's true, because not everyone knows yeah. my children. Well, I've got two teenagers. One is 16 and one is 13, Vienna and Jada, and two daughters. And so now I'm in the middle of parenting teens. Yes. And I remember so many people saying to me, oh, wait till you wait, like just wait till those teen years. And it's hard to believe I'm here. It doesn't feel like too long ago that people were telling me that when I was chasing little toddlers around and here we are with teenagers. So two daughters, teens. And that's where I'm at. How about you, Laura? Yeah, crazy. I know we're in the same parenting stage right now. I have four kids, two boys, age nine, almost 19 and almost 17, just about to have their birthdays, and uh, two girls, 15, and then just about 14. So 14, 15, 17, 19. <laughs> just a little busy. Crazy <laughs> years, crazy years. And I remember when I had them all. Uh, four under five years old. I remember one at one time, I'm going to have four teenagers at the same time. That's going to be a crazy time. And here we are. I remember you saying that. I remember yeah. us talking about that in the middle of your yeah. living room with toys strung yes. everywhere. Yes. Our kids in diapers. Yes. And here we are. You yes. have four teens and I yes. have two. Yeah. So yeah, we are right in the thick of it. Yes. We're in the thick yes. of teenage yes. years. And so I think today we just want to give hope but we also want to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and say that we don't have it all together. And mm-hmm. I think there is a comfort when you hear her mom say, yeah. I don't have it all together. And so anyone listening, I don't have it all together. Yeah. I am figuring it out. Yeah. And I think the greatest part I'm feeling as a, with teenagers, I feel probably the most vulnerable, not really knowing what I'm doing. I feel like when they were little, it felt a little easier. You know, they had to eat, be bathed have playtime, clean up their toys, teach them manners, thank you, please. All of those kind of routines. But now as teens, we're navigating so many different areas and they are becoming such independent, strong people. I don't necessarily always know how to mother in this season. So I don't know how you're feeling right now with this yeah. season of teens. Yeah, exactly the same. Every new thing that we embark on. Like I remember when my eldest son graduated high school, I was like, what do we do now? Like high school is all we've known for the last four years. Like, what do we do? This is so weird. One day he's in high school, the next day he's not. And it's just this whole new world of things you just don't, you've never, a place you've never been before. But I remember when my kids were young and I don't remember where I heard this, but I got some of the best parenting advice that I think for anybody who is becoming a parent, has become a parent, for me, this has, this has really shaped how I've chosen to parent. And it was, 
Your kids will not necessarily do what you say, but they'll become who you are. So spend more time investing in who you are and the kind of person you want to become. And that's who your kids will become. That's what they will follow after. And I, I just remember thinking on that and really taking that advice to heart. That, you know, because in that stage of parenting, when kids were little, it was like, do this, do that, do this, do that. It was all of these directives. But actually to put the effort into becoming the person that I know God has created me to become is actually the best gift I could give to my parent, my kids. Um, I, I've really taken that to heart and I'm hoping that works. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I it. guess we'll see. <laughs> Both of us will see. It's hard to even talk about parenting and motherhood when you're in it still. I almost yeah. feel like I'm not, I'm disqualified until I'm watching my kids on the other side. I'm like, phew, they made it. They're doing well. They love Jesus. You know, they're, but really this is actually where we need to talk about it because you forget, you forget some of those vulnerable places that I'm experiencing now when you've kind of gone through the season. When I think back when V was little as a toddler, she came out of the gates as a really strong-willed kid. And even now, I can't remember how tough it was. I remember thinking, this is so hard, but I forget. And those are those moments when I would talk to other moms that were in those seasons that I just gleaned the most because they were in it, being vulnerable, trying to figure it out. Because now when I look back, I can't really remember the same as I'm re- like I'm remembering now, and I'm so glad we're even able to have this podcast to even have recorded. So one day I can listen to and be like, oh yeah, that's exactly what it was like when I had a 16 and a 13 year old and was still really trying to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, in the challenging of parenting, it definitely has evolved. And if I was to speak personally, when the kids were little, I felt like that was almost like my, I felt my sweetest zone because I could control it was a bit more, even though I had a very strong-willed child that it, when it was seven o'clock bedtime, I think I did a happy dance when I put her in her crib or put her to bed because I was free from a day of pure tantrums and exhaustions and pushing the envelope. Those of you that are raising little people understand that if you have strong-willed kids. But my night was my own. I just felt like everything was very structured. I knew I could still pick them up, bring them places. If they were being naughty, I could still put them, put them in their crib or move them. And I'm feeling as I'm looking at my life now, I probably feel the most vulnerable and sometimes the most insecure as a mom because I don't feel like I have as much control. I I really don't. I don't know how you feel about that, Laura, if that kind of strikes you the same. Oh my goodness. I, I know what you're saying. And I think about the time, you know, putting them in bed or even just saying, no, you're being naughty. I'm going to put you in your room for a little while and you can physically pick them up and do that. There's none of that now. There's none of that parenting teenagers. And not only that, but everything about their world is encroaching on your world on every part of it. I mean, they go to bed after you now. Exhausting. <laughs> so, there's, so there's no, there's absolutely no me time ever at all you know so that those little those little spaces that you have when your your kids are younger of like okay I know seven o'clock's coming or eight o'clock's coming I'm gonna have an hour or two or three to myself there's no space like that you know when your kids are teenagers and they're going to bed after you and I mean I guess unless you get up really early in the morning because that's probably the only space they're not uh in (laughs) yeah they like think together sleep in the morning um but for you, like, what have been some of the things you've loved most about being a mom? Oh, being, just being a mom. 
looking at these two people Jay and I have created through love in our marriage. We have this these two beautiful people to watch them grow and to just feel like my life is living on. There's a legacy. There's an inheritance that there's a future. Watching them blossom has become part of my greatest and deepest joys. And so I think what I love about being a mom is seeing my kids like an expression of my heart out there and watching God use them as God's created them to be. But I would say that's that's really what it comes down to for me. You? Yeah. I mean, very similar. I could I could I could echo all of that. Um, you know, I think just having these little humans to take care of too. I love that. I actually really really love that. Um, these little people that you've grown inside of you, and they come out into this world, and they have their own each one of them their own unique personality, and kind of watching that develop, and dreaming about who they're going to become and how they're going to make a difference in the world, and you know, and then watching now as they're coming into teenagehood. You see their character being so much more defined, 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 the older that they get. And uh, it's very exciting to watch um, how God's going to use their life and to watch their giftings emerge inside of them, to see them even wrestling through different things. But to get to be a part of all of that, like, wow, what an, what an honor, what a joy. It really is. It really is a joy. I remember dreaming as a young, young girl about becoming a mom and I wanted a little mini me. I wanted just a little mini version of me, maybe even someone that looked a little bit like me and like acted a little bit like me. And, you know, I, I feel like I got four little mini me's, but they all have a little bit of a different part of my personality. And I that, that's so fun to see. I know maybe that's super narcissistic. <laughs> well, we did give the, we did carry them and give birth. You're hoping you'll see something. Oh gosh, no, that's fun. That's but isn't fun. it funny that the ones of your kids that are the most like you usually are the ones you clash with the most? Absolutely. <laughs> to see your own personality and characteristics in someone else is actually not it doesn't compliment. It's actually a clash. It is. And you want to change it in them, but it's you. It's actually what you're doing too. Oh, okay. You need to talk about that. There's something to that. Oh, that's so true. It is so true. Like I have one of my daughters is a lot like me. She is how God's made her. I'm not saying she's me, but she's got a, a part of me where we clash. And part of it, it's interesting. She's a very strong leader. And Vienna is that she's been like that since she was little. And we were talking about that um, this morning, you and I, about how we didn't realize when our kids were that little, the, all those expressions. I didn't see them as teenagers at that time. I was picturing them a certain way, but actually they're the same. They've just developed and strengthened. Like V being such a strong toddler is our really strong teen. There's no difference. She's just had different challenges and we've just had to move her through. But that is actually where her and I clash the most is some of those stubborn leadership areas where it's like, no, this is how we're doing it. And she's like, no, this is how we're doing it, mom. And I'm like, oh no. And I want to change that so desperately in her to just submit to me. Like, I'm not talking about not being respectful. I'm talking about, I want you to think like me. I want you to act like me. I want you literally to just slide right into my way of thinking. And she doesn't. And I'm kind of like that in other ways with other people. I have my own way of thinking, but I want to change that in her. I want her literally to just, I kind of want her to be a puppet some days, like just think like I think, but it doesn't work like that. And I want to change that in her, but that's actually how God made her. And that's what I actually appreciate about myself too, 
is that strength to think independently and to not be easily swayed. But boy, I don't like it when I'm raising a teenager that's like that. Oh, so, so true. I know one of my kids too um, has, all of them have a unique part of my personality, but one of my kids, Emma, she is very much like me in the way that she loves, loves, loves to do things, loves to make plans, loves to always be making the next plan, thinking ahead about the next thing she gets to do. And so how this manifests in my everyday life is that she probably, and she knows this, she would readily admit this, that she probably asks me for about like 50 things a day. And, and I mean, it's just one thing after another. Can we do this? Can I have this? Can we go here? I, I need a new shirt. I want this. I need this. Let's do this. Da -da. Every day, all day long. And sometimes I, I just look at her and I'm like, you are so annoying. Like, can you stop asking? But I actually, I have to stop and, and laugh a little because that's me. Like, I, I must be actually so annoying to live with my poor husband because I'm the same way. Oh, can we go here? Let's make this plan. Let's make this plan. Before we've even finished the current plan we're in, I'm already making the next plan about something else we're doing. My poor husband just must be so exhausted. But now I know what it's like because my daughter does it to me. And I, I find sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I don't laugh. Sometimes I'm like so, so frustrated. Like, stop it already. But she actually gives advice to my other daughter, Allie, because my other daughter, Allie, doesn't ask for anything, nothing. She doesn't ask for anything. So Emma says to her, Allie, you just have to start asking for stuff. Even if you ask for 50 things a day, you're probably going to get 10 of them, but that's 10 more than you're getting now. Oh, that is so awesome. Oh my goodness. This is my life every day, all day. And it's me. So, Wow. I know our poor Emma and V were readily going off with V and Emma, but they're our strongest leaders yeah, they're strong. and we are empowering women to take these steps to be leading ladies. Call me crazy. All of those hashtags we have from our messages yeah. and from our passion to see women empowered. And here we have two leaders that are moving and shaking, yeah. whether it's that independence, that leadership grid doing and making plans. We really love it, but it is something that is challenging in your home when you're tired. Yeah. And it's yeah. on those times. Anyway, I, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's so interesting too in, in motherhood because we really don't know if we're doing the right thing. <laughs> by our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like every single day with every new challenge, um, it, it's, it's, we're, we're treading on ground. We've never been before. So you don't bring experience into being able to make those parenting decisions. And every single one of your kids is so unique that even the things that they're going through are different from each other. So there's this sense that, uh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm actually hurting them. I don't know if, if this is healthy for them. Is this the right way to lead them, to lean into these things? Am I being present enough? Am I? There's constant vulnerabilities and questions around, am I doing a good job? And I think... I think it's just really important for every single one of us as parents, as we enter into this parental journey, to do the best that we know to do, to bring the best we know to do in the situation um, to the table because 
it really is a space of not knowing. We really, really don't know. And even as you forecast to say, you know, later when they're adults, will we be able to look back and say, wow, I did a good job? I don't even know because even as adults, they're going to go through hard things. Is that our fault? (laughs) I don't know. Like at some point, right, they begin to make their own decisions too, not just based on our parenting, how much responsibility do we take? Like it's a big, there's just so many questions and so many vulnerabilities around all of it. All I know for sure is that I do not feel like an expert, but what I, what I love is that I do feel like I have a good relationship with each one of my kids. And so today I don't, I can't speak for a year from now, but for today I can rest in that fact. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I know that is a real comfort, you know, and I think as you figure it out, I think in our parenting for Jay and I, I often will say to the girls, this is new to me. I've never done this before, especially to V. I'll say like V, this is the first time we've had, you're our oldest. And unfortunately, we're really trying to figure things out. I may be a bit more relaxed when Jada gets here, but I just don't know how to do this. And you've got to also have grace on me. Because I don't have this. And I think that's important for our kids to hear. I feel, V's told me that before. She said, Mom, I'm so glad when you've said that to me. Because I feel, for them, it's like, they look at us. And they don't know that we don't have all the answers. It's actually a really good thing. Sometimes I think I'm so glad she doesn't see the bubble on top of my head. Where I'm like, oh my, what do I do here? (gasps) Oh, please obey me this time. Because I don't know what your consequence will be. I'm in big trouble. She doesn't see those bubbles. Thank you, Jesus. It just kind of. I just keep that face, you know, okay, this is what we're doing, even though inside I am just figuring it out as we're going. But I do know in those moments I have expressed vulnerability to V. It's done a connection for us to be like, I am, we're going to make some plans here, but you've got to give us grace as parents to kind of adjust as we go. There are some hard, fast boundaries, absolutely, in our family. But there is a lot in that zone of moving and bouncing that you want your kids also to figure things out. And you also want them to know we're figuring it out too. And we need you to give us some flex because we're in this together and we're both going to grow through this and we may all make the wrong decision or you may make, I might make it wrong. You make it right, whatever, but we're going to figure this out together. And as long as we can keep that open communication and, but it does come back to having a good relationship with your kids. And I love that, that quote you gave at the beginning. I've never heard that before. Can you just say that one more time? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to write that down somewhere. Yeah, no. So it was just around, um, you know, your kids won't just do what you say. They'll become who you are. Yeah. It's less important that they do what you say. It's more important that they become who you are. And so just to do the work on becoming the kind of people you actually want your kids to become. And whether we do this or not, this is exactly what happens. So if we don't do the work, our kids begin to manifest these things in in their lives that we're like, oh, why are you like that? Well, why, you know, some of the reasons maybe why our kids are like that are because maybe we haven't done the work that we've needed to do even to becoming the kind of people that we're hoping that they're going to become. Powerful. I, I, I think, I think bottom line, our kids are going to be better versions of us. I oh, hope I that hope with, so. with every generation that comes, you know, we do keep getting better and better and better, but there is a lot of merit into 
doing the work with God, doing the work internally, doing some emotional work, dealing with your hurts, dealing with your past, you know, just working out that stuff that actually your kids, whether you speak the words or not, the kind of person that you are is what they will model their lives after. So, yeah. I think that is such a beautiful quote for parenting. Because it really is bringing your whole heart and you want to bring it. You want to bring a healed heart. You want to bring a connected heart, a vulnerable heart, not a perfect heart. That has nothing to do with life. There is zero perfection in anything except God, you know, and his spirit. And then we haven't even addressed what God does. Thank you, Jesus. What he does in the middle of our parenting, what we bring, what we can in the natural, what God does in the supernatural is remarkable. It's actually what... Makes everything beautiful. But it really is that when we bring a whole heart and we bring that to our kids and we bring that to our family and we continually cultivate our heart being whole with God and with the work, whether it's counseling, whether it's constantly taking courses, parenting, books, whatever we need to do to help ourselves become, even a, like you said, working on the inner issues of our heart, we will be better parents and we will give them a better gift. Of, of just being able to feel even that perfectionism. I feel like in this season, I've been, I feel like God's been going there in my own life as a mom about perfectionism in my life. And I feel like it's helping me parent better because if I didn't actually go through this journey, right in this season of embracing imperfection and what I view as imperfection, like what I have framed, I'm dismantling that right now, doing some of my own personal work. I feel like it's helping me be a better mom because part of when I look back at my motherhood has been control, perfectionism. If I don't want to admit it, but even image, I remember wrestling with V to get out of pajamas to go to church. Why? I don't even know. Now when I see little kids coming in pajamas and their fairy costumes, I want to hug the mom and be like, that's awesome. You're here. And they're little. They're not going to wear this forever. That's amazing. But And I know that sounds silly, but in those years, some of those things, when I look back, it actually had nothing to do with what I was doing externally. It was an overflow. It was happening internal. I was trying to present I've got this together. Look at my kids. They all match. They look great. I'm at church on time. Our hair is done. They even have a ribbon in their hair. Silly as it sounds, I feel like God has been dismantling that in a really profound way in my own life. And it's, I'm so grateful it's happening when they're teenagers because there is no way, there is no way I could probably control and do things I probably did. I hope I didn't hurt them too bad. I probably have. <laughs> I've told V that too. I was like, Viv, you know, when you were younger, I was pretty hard on you with a lot of things or that were silly, but I was trying to figure it out. And that's a beautiful thing. There is no, there's always a redo. There's always a restart. There's always an ability to open up a fresh conversation with your kids and to say, listen, I feel like looking back in that season, I was going through this and I didn't realize it, but God is showing me this. So you saying that Laurie today, I feel like that is such a treasure of truth, even for myself to lay hold of and anyone listening that when we work on things in our own heart, we will become better parents because we're becoming more beautiful people. And even the word better, I shouldn't even say better because it's not a matter of that like standard, but it's whole, whole, wholehearted. Yeah. I love that word whole heart. Yeah. So that's really, really powerful. And I just had this image of like a gift being passed on to your daughters. Like as you do that work, you actually give them a gift of um, them giving them permission not to do everything perfectly. 
you give them that gift. Whereas when, you know, perfection is driving or image is driving some of your decisions, you're actually telling them that they have to live like that too, right? So it, it really is a powerful, that's a really powerful, powerful picture. Um, and I think just the way that you've approached and the way that you're talking about, talking to your kids about oh, where you've messed up or I see this now, you know what? Wow, that is that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And I know, you know, with, with my own kids too, I've had to come back so many times and just say, wow, I missed that. I'm so sorry. I got locked in on something here and stubborn about something here. And I, I really missed the mark and I didn't nurture your heart in this moment. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I got stuck. Um, and I've had to come back and do that. I know with our oldest as well, I don't know what it is about firstborns. I'm a firstborn as well. You're a firstborn too. Mm -hmm. So we kind of get <laughs> the weight that a firstborn carries. But, you know, we've I've had to say to my son, Treff, my oldest, many times, same thing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Can you just help me? Can you just be patient with me? I don't, I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is really hard. This is really scary. And again, parenting the younger years for me, like although there were cha definite challenges throughout, I, I, I never had, I never felt as vulnerable as I do in these years. And I don't know if it's like this sense of like, wow, I really can mess them up now. I don't know. I don't know if it's this weight that this added weight, but I think we just see our kids are having to make some pretty big decisions and they're also having to navigate some pretty heavy things in these older years. And I just want to give them the tools that they need to be able to navigate that well. But again, it's not going to be perfect. So approaching it with humility, I think is the greatest gift. You know, my son Parker, he's uh, just about to turn 17 and he asked me, very recently, mom, how have you raised such awesome, God-loving kids? And I was like, oh, that's like a dream question for your child to ask you. Like, what? Like, uh, okay. And I just said to him straight up, number one, I take no credit. You have chosen to love God and to serve God with your whole heart. I, I cannot I can't take credit for that choice. That's the choice you have made with your life. You have chosen to give God everything, to surrender it all to God and to live holy. And each one of my kids in their own way have had to make that choice for themselves. I can't, I can't take credit for that. Yes, of course, like God has been modeled, relationship with God has been modeled. Yes, we talk about, you know, things, you know, from the Bible, we talk about teachings, we talk about character, we pray together. Yes, all of those things have happened, but those things do not guarantee that your kids have a relationship with God. It is something they have to choose for themselves. And yes, we model it absolutely wholeheartedly. Um, and authentically and with humility, but they have to choose it hundred percent. And I do not take credit. I cannot take credit for that. How do you feel about that? When you think about your kids and their relationship with God and cultivating that? Oh, like I'm just still stuck on that. How beautiful to hear a child ask you that. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you know, I think it's also offering hope to some parents that are out there listening, thinking my my children have zero desire for God, or perhaps a spouse isn't serving God, and they're the only one in the home building faith. And I would feel the same, Laura. Like Jay and I have always said to the girls, like when we can give you 
all the tools and we're going to plant this ground. We have planted this ground. We have literally brought you to church. We pre like exactly at home. We've made Christianity fun because it's about a relationship with God. We want them to see the joy in serving Jesus, the joy that he fills our lives with. And we've had those rules. You know, you are going to church on Sunday. That's not, that's not a negotiable. And until a certain age, you know, there's a certain age where that, that has to become something that they desire to do, to honor. Youth, are, you know, it's, I remember V, I'm going to speak very openly about V because I asked her permission if I ever share about this and she said yes. But you know, a couple of years ago, she wasn't at all interested in God. And, you know, I don't want to take away from her own testimony and I want that to be something she can share on her own. But really raised in a Christian family, right? Jay and I, do, exactly, Lori, like at home, we've been in ministry. We just, it's a part of our fabric, our parents. And uh, bringing her to church was a struggle since she was even younger and just put up a lot of defenses about God and didn't really want to go and youth and all that. So I said to her one day, I said, until you're 16 years old, you're going to have to go to youth and we'll do whatever we can to just kind of connect you the right way, but you're going to go to youth. And she went begrudgingly for her first year. Like there was not this great joy. It was like a dreading. And she went and it was people she knew here. It wasn't like she was brand new. And, but inside she just, I think inside she was dealing with some shame. Like, I don't believe, I'm not sure if I believe this and wrestling out her faith. And she had an encounter with God at a retreat. And we often talk about that saying, she's like, mom, I know God would have touched my life because it'd been happening for years somewhere, somewhere else. But that retreat changed my life had I not gone. And so I think the important thing is we don't always see the spirituality in our kids. And that can be so hard. I remember just panicking, being like, what do I do? My younger had always been very sensitive to God, like since little, little, little. V was always, it was like, it had to be her heart. It had to be her own decision. And I see now that leadership gift in her. It wasn't based on what she saw. And now I look back, I think, oh God, that was because she does not follow the crowd ever. It really is a deep conviction she has to have. And that's something now I've learned to just so love in her. Um, but God did something in that, in that moment for her that I could never have done. I also believe as parents, we can't lose heart and we can't stop while they are at those ages that we still have the, the ability to say, no, you are doing this. Even if they're pouting and complaining, which I understand all the way on the door, like the, all the way up to the door of the church, they're still, you're still coming to church. We're doing this as a family. And until those years, you don't really have that same ability to do that. It's part of the non-negotiable because you just never know what God is going to do in one service, through one youth leader, through one friend, through one encounter, you have no idea. But those are all seeds that we're planting. And I think as parents, I, they're not ours, they're God's. And I think when we get a hold of that to realize Vienna and Jada are not mine. I'm stewarding them for a time. This is part of my stewardship that I give them everything possible with Jesus that I can. And I try Jay and I's best to model authentic Christianity at home, not just what people are seeing. And like we fail in them hearing us be honest and vulnerable at that. And even about our, some of our struggles and sharing what God is doing in our lives. We try to be very verbal about that, but it's about stewardship. I believe that's what God is asking us as parents to do is to steward these years, but only he can bring the fruitfulness and the increase.
spiritually, I believe. And that, that actually is a really vulnerable place to be because it goes back to a lack of control. We don't have control over what's going to happen to our kids, what they're going to choose to do, the choices they're going to choose to make, if they're going to choose to honor us as parents or not honor us as parents, if they're going to choose a relationship with God or not choose a relationship with God. But I believe with all of my heart that as we raise our kids to know God and to love God, that those seeds are there yes, always. Yes. And no matter what you actually see on the outside, that you know we need God's help to look at our kids with eyes of faith, to be able to see in them beyond what we actually see on the exterior and be able to uh, trust God to work out what he's doing in their lives in his way and in his time. But God gave me the choice to follow him. God called me and gave me the choice to respond to that. And so I have to give my kids the gift of that as well. But very much like you, Rhonda, I do agree that, you know, as long as you live in our household and as long as you are a dependent of our household, that there are just some expectations that come with being a part of our household. And for us too, like attending church is a non-negotiable and will will always be. If you're a dependent living in our household um, under our care, then you, you will attend church, whether that would be your first choice or not. Um, that, that's, just, that's just a family value for us. Um, tithing is another one that we are working really hard to instill in our kids. And, um, and we speak about it often. And so even our kids, as they're getting their first jobs, it's just something that we want to establish right from the very beginning, because we don't want it to be hard for them. We just mm-hmm. want it to be just a non-negotiable. And when you work and you, you know, you give 10% back to God, because we actually believe that God can do more with 90% than we can do with a hundred. So when we give back to God and we just have that principle in our lives, um, in operation, it doesn't get hard when you start making more money. It's not, it's not hard, right? And it's definitely not hard when you start <laughs> and you just have a tiny little bit of money and you're just giving a little, but it's the exact same principle as it gets, you know, as it gets more and more and more and more, but God blesses, like God honors that. And so we're trying to instill those principles in our kids and, uh, to raise them that way and to lead by example in those ways. But again, none of those I recognize are a guarantee. And, um, so we just live trusting God and letting, uh, putting our kids in God's hands and knowing that he loves them even more than we do. And the dreams and the plans and the purpose he created them for is far greater than even what I could ever hope for or imagine. And I believe that with all of my heart. And so I love the opportunity to partner with God in stewarding their lives. And that's kind of the mentality that I have as a parent, especially now that they're older and they're less dependent on the everyday needs. Now it really is um, a very intentional partnership with God um, through prayer, through continuing uh, investment in their spiritual life and their their character development and all of those things. But uh, but yeah, it, it truly is an honor to partner with the one who loves them, who created them, who has an even better plan for their life than I could even have. So it is. And to see that authentic relationship rise It's just the most beautiful journey to say like, this is coming out of a place that they've chosen that freedom to choose Christ and to see that spirit work within them. I remember when we went to that retreat, like you're saying, Lord, trusting God. And when that moment happens, you see it's beyond anything that you could do through rules, through 
anything. It is literally an aha, an awakening. And we talk about awakening moments. When V came home from that retreat, she's never been the same. She has never been the same. And it takes just, it can take just a moment or it can just be that journey. There are unique, it's all unique. Like you said, our journey with our kids are unique. Their relationship with God is so unique. And I think exactly the same, Larissa, with stewarding. It's really stewarding them now to say, I want to give you as much tools as possible to be all that God's intended for you to be. But he's taking you far beyond because you're his. And no one will love you like God will. But on earth, moms and like our parents are pretty close. Like that's the deepest part of our hearts. But to know that they're God's and we can entrust them to God. What a beautiful place as a parent to place our insecurities and our fears and what we see not to have God give us eyes of faith when we don't see our children pursuing God or they seem to be pushing further the way, the more we're pushing to God, God is in the middle of it all because those seeds are there and we're going to trust God. Yeah, that's do. so good. I know one of the other things that we've done, like now that our kids are teenagers, um, is we've tried to actually include them in some decision making. So for example, like I might pull, uh, if I'm dealing with an issue with the girls, I might pull my oldest Treff, even Parker, into the conversation and just say, what would you do in this situation? And what I can see happens in those moments is like it gives them value. Um, it values their thoughts and their opinion and their input. And the truth is they're way closer in like understanding the situation than I am. The older we get and this this kind of chasm of like, I don't even understand what on earth you're talking about, you know, with all of this like text talk and all the social media stuff and all of these like weird relationships they're navigating. And I feel like just saying like, just close all that down, shut your phone off. But they understand the nuance of this so much better than I do. And so sometimes I actually just bring them right into the conversation and ask for their input and ask what they would do in that situation. And actually, I've gotten some really good advice from my own kids about their own situations. I even do that with the girls. I'll ask them, hey, what would you do in this situation? If you were parenting this situation, what would you do? And it's so interesting when you ask them that, when you get them to actually think of them, put themselves in the position of a parent, they're actually sometimes stricter <laughs> than, I, than I would be, than I am in this situation. I'm like, wow, okay. But they actually have a lot of wisdom, a lot more wisdom than we give them credit for. And I feel like when we invite them to the table, to begin to figure out some of the, you know, how to, how to navigate some of these interesting situations that are coming up. There's actually a lot more of a wealth of knowledge there than I think we, we give them credit for. And like you said before, we really don't have all the answers or know how to navigate all of these challenges in parenting. So I, I like to actually bring them to the table and ask them, what would you do in this situation? Okay, here's the, you know, here's the tea. This is what's going on. And then get their input on it. And, and sometimes I actually follow their advice. Sometimes I'll even say, when it's directly related to that child, okay, what, what do you think is appropriate in this situation? You know, 
you're not getting up in the morning, you're staying up too late, you know, you're on your phone or whatever, and you're not getting up for school in the morning, you're making all of us late, what would you do in this situation? And sometimes they give a way stricter result, you know, or consequence than I would give. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good. It's <laughs> you're like, that's awesome. I hope you don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I know they are not getting on this. We're, we're giving all of our, uh, all of our secrets, but no, but they have a, like, I, I just, I say that to say, I think it's important to value them. And I also think that's what cultivates a trust relationship. Just that, wow, like my, my, my parents actually value my opinion. They value what I see. They, they think that I have something to contribute and they see that, you know, I do have like, although I'm younger and I, I lack the experience that they have, they respect my, my thoughts or my input on this. And so. Laura, that's powerful. I just love you said bringing them to the table because it, we're preparing them as terrible as it sounds because every mom's like, <gasps> we're preparing them to leave. And so these are tools that they're going to need as well to be able to be able to have constructive thinking, walk through difficult situations. What would I do? How would I handle this? To be able to have open dialogue and even saying, you can be vulnerable enough to all have different opinions and hear someone else's way of thinking. And I think as teens, that's exactly what starts to happen because those little years, it's different than it is now. Now you really are coaching them to say like, we want you actually to think we need your advice. We love your advice. We love to hear, but this is also helping us connect with you. We have a deeper agenda here and it's really to connect to you. We want to connect to what you're thinking, how you're managing this and how much comes out of those conversations. I feel 100% Jay and I, we love those conversations as well because I also get a glimpse into, oh, this is exactly what you think about that. You probably wouldn't have said this if I would have asked you directly, but in this conversation, I'm hearing like a very different yeah. way because now your guard is down and they're able to share a little bit more openly and you're right, they're way more black and white. Because, <laughs> uh, and it's great when you have to ask a conflict, like a follow-up, because you're like, sweet, that's, that's way better. Because you're actually brought this on yourself and I'll just follow it through. It's perfect. But I love that. I think what we're really saying here is being wholehearted in our parenting. And the, the end goal is to really connect to our kids. Because regardless of faith, we want that relationship to always be there. So no matter where they are on their faith journey, there is always a place that they can come, knowing that they're loved and they're safe and they can come as they are. And that would be my end game as a parent. As yes, to them, love Jesus with all their heart. Yes, I see that in their lives now and I pray that they continue to make those decisions. And under, I would say the foundation would also be to be a home that they feel like no matter what goes on, that there's always that relationship. So connecting with my kids is number one. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And so, you know, as we wrap up today's session, you know, one thing I want to maybe give you as an exercise to think about, you know, when you think about your kids and who you're hoping they become, maybe even do a little exercise to write down, like, what would be your dream of the kind of person that you would love to see your kid become as they become a teenager and an adult? And then actually ask yourself a really hard question of, are you those things? 
Uh, that's good. Are those mm-hmm. the things that you're modeling in your life? Are those the things that you're exercising in your life? And, you know, if there's a close match to those things, then yeah, you're probably on the right track. But if there's some, you know, some space there for growth, then I would just really encourage you to kind of lean into that, even for your own life, because I do think there's a lot of power and it's not a guarantee. Listen, I'm not giving you like this guarantee that, you know, everything will, will work out, but I promise you, that the more um, time and work that you do in just allowing your, your your own stuff to be healed and whole, it's going to make it better for every single relationship in your life. It's going to make it better in your friendships. It's going to make it better in your relationship with your kids. It's going to make it better in your relationship with your husband. It's going to re- make it better in every relationship in your life. So um, it's definitely a worthy journey. Um, but uh, but yeah, it you know that's that's what I would say. That's I love say. that. It'd be a great next step. Yeah, that's a great next step. Yeah. And so as we go today, uh, we just want you to remember that there is more in you than you could possibly realize. And that you are worthy of love. Thank you for listening to the Awakening Moments podcast today. Like or subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Lori Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. May you be awakened to the moments that matter the most.